Has anyone noticed that the pace of life seems to be quickening? Has anybody noticed that? It, just, it, it seems to be speeding up, and you know, honestly, a lot of that's our own fault because we seem to be addicted to these time-saving devices that cause things to go faster. Um, we like internet shopping. Do you guys know Amazon is now the largest company, most valuable company in the world? You can sit at home and shop and have it delivered to your doorstep the next day if you want. Um, Drive-through lanes are, are always popular. Um, anything that allows us to do things faster. We have now become addicted to that. In fact, people get frustrated if they have to um, go in to pay for their gas, if they can't pay at the pump. There's not very many places like that anymore. But if your machine doesn't work, people get frustrated that they can't pay right there. I've seen people yell at microwaves and tell them to hurry up. I mean, like, this is the culture, this is the world that we live in now. It's a fast-paced world. It's noisy. In fact, you can't seem to go anywhere without being subjected to this unrelenting stream of, of busyness and activity and noise. Do you know that in the 1960s, this would be about 50 years ago now, there were expert technicians who testified before Congress, and this is what they said. At the current pace of technology development, that in about 30 years, Americans would be facing a major time challenge. So to get this, this is what they said. By the year 2000, Americans will not know what to do with all their leisure time. They predicted that we would have to reduce the work week to 25 hours a week or have employees only work 30 weeks out of the year because we'd get finished with our work so quickly. That was the prediction 50 years ago. So let me ask, how many of you guys... Um, you have so much leisure time on your hands, you don't know what to do with it. You see, even with all these time-saving technologies that we have today, people are working more than ever. Busyness has increased exponentially every single year. Now, I have a, I have a confession to make. I like to work. I like to be busy. I like projects. I have a hard time sitting still or even standing still. How many of you guys are with me on that? Okay. So, so I'm not alone. Here's, here's, uh, here's my guess is that there's a fair number of people in this room that have maybe what we could just call pace of life issues. And, and we're going to talk about those very briefly here. In fact, I think it'd be fun to do this. I'm going to um, lead you guys in a mass confession this morning, okay? So I'm going to run through a couple of pace of life issues. And, and as, I, as I identify those, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that's the category that you fall in. And I want you to just be brave enough, bold enough to say, yep, that's me. You might actually fall in a couple of different categories. So I want you to listen to these. And then you're going to raise your hand if it applies, okay? First category is the hurrier. The hurrier is somebody who has a hard time, can't even wait to raise your hand. That's a hurrier right there, okay? <laughs> a great example. It's hard to sit still. You want to hit fast forward on everything. It's like, let's get through this. Let's get through this. Now, here, here, if you're a hurrier and you come up to a stoplight and there's two lanes in front of you and there's a car in each lane, you automatically find yourself judging by the make, model, and year of that car, which one's going to pull out faster and you get behind that cat. Okay. If you're shopping in the store and you've got your cart full of stuff and you're walking by all the different lanes and you're scanning all of them to see how many people are in there and how many things do they have and you get behind the one that you think is going to move fastest. How many of you guys are hurriers? All right, man, that is the majority of this room. Let's talk about the next category then, the easygoer. It's almost the, the complete antithesis of this. You're laid back. You're, the, you're a no-rush kind of person. You're pumping the brakes on life all the time. You're the kind of person who's telling everybody to just chill out, 
and slow down. You like to sit on the porch. You like to breathe deep, drink some tea, and just relax. Okay, how many of you guys are the easygoing folks? All right, raise your hand. Be proud. Be proud of this. All right. I want you guys to recognize the people who just raised their hands, they're the ones who are honking at you out on the highways, <laughs> telling you to hurry up, all you easygoers. All right, next category, multitasker. If you're a multitasker, you're, call, you're what's called polyphasic. It means that, that you do multiple things at the same time. So while you're driving to work, you're also drinking your coffee, listening to the radio, talking on your phone, and making evening plans. You're a multitasking machine. Raise your hand if that's you. All right, last one. We can't forget this. This is the procrastinator, last but not least, right? Procrastinators have this supernatural ability to just keep kicking the can down the road. And, and you keep saying things like, why do today what I can put off till tomorrow? You might have a T-shirt that says, leaders of tomorrow. That might, be your, that might be your motto. If you're a procrastinator, raise your hand. All right, okay. Now listen, no matter where you landed in these categories, these pace of life categories, you know what the frustrating thing about time is for us humans? It's that we can't control it. We can control a lot of different things. We try to control a lot of different things. Last week we talked about finances. We talked about money. To a degree, you can control your money. You can't control time. You can't produce more of it. You can't speed it up, you can't slow it down, you can't make it go backwards. Time can't be controlled. It becomes a point of frustration for a lot of people. Here's what scripture says, Job chapter 14 verse five says, a person's days are determined. They are numbered by the Lord. He has set the number of his months and have set limits that he cannot exceed. Time is something that God controls. He created it for us. He created it for mankind. He established its length. He established its pace. It's a gift from the Lord, and you and I are called to make the most out of this time. So since we can't control it, it's really important that we learn how to steward it well. And that's why we're spending today to talk about how do you make the most out of your time. Scripture calls us to recognize that everything we have is a gift from the Lord. Those gifts are to be used for his glory and to further his kingdom. So again, we talked about finances last week, and the, the challenge was, how do I use the finances that God has entrusted to me to ultimately build his kingdom? There's a lot of different things that I'm going to invest those funds in, but ultimately, the purpose is to fulfill God's plan for those resources. How are you spending your time? There's a lot of different things you invested in. A lot of different things that you spend your time doing, but ultimately, are you investing your time? Are you spending your time the way that God planned when he gave it to you? Psalm 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world and all who live in it, they belong to him. That means God has absolute rights and ownership over all things. And to miss that is to miss like if you uh, misaligned the top button on your shirt. Anybody ever done that before? You realize that if you get that top button off, it's never going to work out as you go down, right? It, everything else is going to be off. And if, if, if we don't recognize and acknowledge that everything at the top starts with God, 
then nothing else is going to line up. Nothing else is going to line up. God's given us specific talents, positions, relationships, days, finances, and we're called to use them according to his purposes, but they all have to start at the top. They all have to start with him. You guys with me? Is anybody with me? All right, there we go. As we continue on the study then, making the most of it, today we're going to talk about what most people would consider their most valuable resource, and that's their time. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16 say this, Be careful then how you live, not as the unwise, we don't want to be unwise, but as the wise, we do want to be wise, making the most of every opportunity. If you were to think about time as a calendar, and every calendar has the squares that make up the number of days in that month, it's a good, it's a good um, representation, a good picture of the days that lay in front of you. It also is a good picture of the days that have passed behind you. Are any of you guys in this room the kind of folks who like to put an X on days as, as, we, as we finish them? Anybody in here? My son, Braden, is like that. Before he goes to bed every night, he walks over to his calendar and he takes a pen and he puts an X on the day that we just finished. And really, it becomes a memorial to days and time that will never get back. You recognize every one of those X represents something that you'll never be able to go back to and regain or recapture. I think every one of us would recognize that our squares are stuffed full They're jam-packed with all kinds of activities. In fact, one of the levels, one of the things that produces levels of frustration inside of humans is that when you have too many things and they won't fit in one of those squares, too many things in your day, and you look at your day and you recognize there's something that needs to happen today, but you look at your schedule and you say, where? How? Anybody like that? Anybody struggle with that? It produces stress. It produces frustration within humanity. I think we all recognize that our squares are stuffed full. Really, what this message about today is how to manage those squares well. How to make sure that we prioritize what it is that goes into each one of our days and how we manage that well. Today, I want to address some biblical and some very, very practical points as it pertains to stewarding our time. So here's what I think we'll we'll start with, and that is this. I think every one of us recognizes that one of America's favorite pastimes is spacing off. Whether you uh, are a guy sitting in your easy chair or a woman in your car or a, a student at school, just spacing off. We may call it unwinding. We may call it downloading. We may call it rebooting. And oftentimes it's very necessary after a hectic day, but the vast number of people in America spend much of their lives wasting time simply because they weren't intentional in it. They don't have 30 minutes of spacing off. They have days and weeks and months of spacing off time, not using it well, just winging it. That's not making the most of it. That's not what we're called to do. And I don't think anybody in this room wants that kind of a life. We have to be extremely intentional in it. In fact, prioritization is the key to this. How do you prioritize your time? And that's where we're going to start this morning, prioritizing our time. As a Christ follower, where do we begin? What does Scripture tell us that is supposed to be the most important things in our life? 
How do we prioritize our time? Well, it all begins, as we mentioned earlier ago, we mentioned that it all starts with the Lord. The first priority has got to be God. It has to be. If it's not, nothing else lines up. No matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you work, no matter how strategic or diligent you are with your squares on your calendar, it will not work if God is not the first priority. Scripture tells us that we were ultimately um, created for a relationship with God. And fulfilling that is our highest calling. It's our highest value in life. There's a very familiar verse that we've used over the course of the last few months found in Matthew chapter 6 that says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. If you will make him first in your life, he will take care of the other things. I think what I love about Jesus in, in this situation is that he recognizes and acknowledges that there are a lot of important things in your life, but only one thing can be number one. He's not devaluing the others. He's saying that only one thing in your life can be your number one priority, and it has to be God, or the rest of those things will never, no matter how hard you work, they'll never line out. They'll never work out. So what does it mean to prioritize God with your time? It means that just like last week, again, so many of these things are are consistent. We don't offer him our leftovers, we offer him our best. So when, it talk, when we talk about prioritizing God with our time, we offer him our best time, not our leftover time. Our, our time with the Lord tends to be, even for Christians who are extremely diligent in their lives and in their devotions, their time with God seems to be the last thing that gets shoved into their squares. Where can I find a, a spot? But we're called to offer our very best. And so that means this. Your time with the Lord, every day, your reading, your prayer time with the Lord, find out what works best with you. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys are morning people? Come on, be proud. How many of you guys are night owls? All right. My wife is a night owl. I'm a morning person. I do my devotions at about 5.30 in the morning. She does hers at 8.30 at night. We would love to be able to do our devotions together. But her best time is not my best time. You need to offer the Lord not your sleepy time, not your leftover time, not your multitasking distracted time. You need to offer the Lord your focused best time. What does that look like in your life? If you're a night owl, it looks very different than for a morning person. But you need to identify your best, not your leftovers. That's what it looks like to prioritize God as number one. It needs to be daily. Scripture tells us that on a regular basis we're connecting with the Lord. Prioritize it, not just on Sunday mornings. Guys, if this is your relationship with the Lord, what you're doing right here, you are missing the whole purpose of a relationship with God. This is religion. If this is all that you do, this is religion. A relationship means that tomorrow morning when you wake up, he's first in your day. Not the first thing, but he's number one in the best time. It means Tuesday morning when you wake up, the Lord has your best time that day. If Sunday is it, guys, that's called religion. And Jesus had an issue with that. He's got to be number one. I'll I'll quit preaching at you and we'll move on to number two. Family. Family's number two in our life. This is actually, Scripture calls this our greatest responsibility. So oftentimes we think that other things are, are our greatest responsibility, but family is 
our greatest responsibility. Oftentimes it gets shoved to the bottom of our list though. And we have to constantly work hard from not putting our families on autopilot, thinking that they're gonna take care of themselves, thinking that those relationships will nurture themselves, thinking that our kids are gonna figure it out, (laughs) thinking that our spouse knows that we love them. Why do we need to spend time with them and tell them every day? Your family has to become a priority in your life. Right after the Lord, family is number two. It means that you establish your schedule so that other things don't squeeze out your important time with family. That may mean that you still need to work on dating your spouse. It means that you've got to spend individual time. If you have multiple kids, that you're spending time with one-on-one with your kids. Maybe going on vacations together, if that's not a, a thing that you've done. It just means prioritizing your family in your schedule and not trying to fit it in at the end of the day. Make it a point to do this. Scripture tells us that your greatest responsibility, my greatest responsibility, when you have kids, they become the number one responsibility in your life of teaching them to know and love the Father. And yet so many Christians leave that up to their church. I brought them to church on Sunday. It's the church's job. It's your job. Well, hopefully they'll figure it out. No, it's your job, parent. It's your responsibility. You've got to prioritize it in your day. How are you investing in your kids, in your relationship with them, and how are you investing in your kids and their relationship with the Father? All right, number three is work. Work. Work's a necessity, but it also can be a great rewarding experience in your life. How many of you guys, you enjoy work? I mentioned earlier, I, I enjoy work. It can be extremely rewarding if you keep it from becoming an idol in your life. If you keep it where it belongs in priorities, if you allow it to creep up to become the most important thing in your life, it's become an idol. I've seen way too many people sacrifice their relationship with God and their relationship with their family on the altar of work. That it's become the most important thing. If you don't put it in its proper place, it can suck the life out of you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on this, okay? How many of you guys, you recognize that work can be something that absolutely fulfills you and it can also be something that absolutely drains you in the same day? That's the potential that work has. It can be fulfilling, but it can also, when you let it get out of balance in your life, it can suck the life out of you. It's out of, it's out of balance when that happens. It's taken a, a spot, a position that it doesn't belong in. I firmly believe this. Christians should be the absolute best employees. I think scripture really identifies this, especially you look at uh, Colossians chapter three, verses 23 and 24, and it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance for the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you're serving. We should be the very best workers You should be able to look at your work. You should be able to look at the Lord. You should be able to look at your employee and say, I gave my very best. I worked hard for this. But you've got to keep it in its proper place. Number four is play. And this is a category that's kind of like all of the things that you do just for fun, just for joy. It could be hanging out with friends. It could be the hobbies that you uh, enjoy doing. It could be entertainment. It could be any of those things. But just like everything else on the list, it has to be 
um, in its proper place. You've got to be intentional with it. I've got a lot of friends who spend more time um, watching games on TV than playing games with their kids. I've got a lot of friends who spend more time reading novels than reading God's Word because their priorities are out of whack. The things that matter most in your life should never be at the mercy of the things that matter least. You've got to prioritize. So here's where we're going to come to now. This is the, the, the second part of, of this teaching today. We've talked about prioritizing. But now this is where the rubber meets the road. Because oftentimes there's a gap between, between our priorities and how we actually live things out. There's a gap between what we intend and how we actually live out. So where the rubber meets the road is managing our time. How do you manage it now? It's super practical stuff here, okay? Super practical stuff. How do you manage your time so you can close the gap on your intentions and then on your actuality? How do you live this out? Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I want you to look at this for a second. Teaching us to number our days is not putting X's on a calendar. Teaching us to number our days is teaching us how to order them how to structure them, not how to count them. How do we number our days? How do we structure our days so that it honors the Lord? Teach us to number them. So let me tell you why it's important for a Christ follower to do this. It's because there are lots of seasons that come and go in your life. Lots of things that will vie for your attention, lots of heavy work seasons, lots of vacation times, lots of different things, and, and there's kind of an ebb and flow, but what we have to be able to do is manage our time so that God always stays number one, no matter what the season is. It's easy for God to be number one on Easter Sunday. It's easy during the Christmas season for God to be number one. But how do we keep him in his rightful place? His priority is number one. How do we keep that top button where it belongs in every season? We manage our time. We manage our time. In order for us to make this list of priorities that we just filled out, in order for us to make that a reality, there's some important things that we've got to look at and we've got to talk about. And the first one is this. You need a plan. <laughs> you need a plan. Most of us will spend a considerable amount of time and energy in our life planning things, planning retirement, planning college tuition, planning for different vacations, planning different things, but very few people have seriously considered and planned on how they spend their time consistently. You can't afford to just wing it. You can't afford to just wing it. Ephesians 5, 16, again, it tells us to make the most of every opportunity. We need to make the most of our time. How do we manage it? Let me tell you, if you don't have a plan, you'll end up spending the majority of your time working and playing because that's the American motto. Work hard, play hard. Let me tell you how it should read, and I'm not just saying this because I'm your pastor. It should be worship hard. Go after God hard ought to be the number one thing. Listen, your first two priorities aren't even on the American motto. If you don't have a plan, you will end up spending the majority of your time working and playing and neglecting your top two priorities. We've got to have a plan. There's a lot of different resources that you guys can find, that, that whether it's uh, books or it's um, um, blogs or whatever it may be. There's, there's resources out there that help you manage your time. Listen, 
Just choose one and try it. The worst thing you can do is just wing it. Try something. Find something. Find something that will help you just manage your time so that you have a plan that you can follow. The second matter is this, and that is the need to focus. Now, these are very connected. These are very connected, but there's this old saying that that goes, uh, if the devil can't defeat us, he will settle for distracting us. To keep your attention off of the things that matter most. That's why a plan is really important. That's why managing your time, staying focused on the things that are really important. We've got to learn how do we close the gap between what we say matters most and how we actually live our lives. My guess is that in this room, if I were to just poll you guys as you left, that you would all say that God deserves number one in my life. Family deserves number two. But then if I were to ask you to show me your calendar, your calendar would not reflect it because what we intend, what we say matters most, there's usually a gap between how we actually live it out. We've got to stay focused on those things that are most important. So let me ask you this. How many of you guys have a to-do list? You use a to-do list, okay? Feels good to check those off, doesn't it? When you get done with one of your to-dos and you're able to just check that box off, um, confession time again. How many of you guys, you make to-do lists and you include on there things that you've already finished just so you can check them off? All right. It feels good. It feels good to check those things off because you know that you're focusing on some priorities. You wrote down something that was important to accomplish and you finished it and you checked it off. There's, it feels good. I want to encourage you, whatever you do, whether you use sticky notes on your fridge or you use a, a schedule written out in your planner or you use an app on your smartphone or you use software program on your computer, whatever you do, you need to find a way to stay focused. Whatever your to-do list looks like, something that helps you identify priorities and helps you stay focused. You gotta do it. Pray and ask the Lord to help you stay focused, but you gotta do something too. All right, here's the next one. This is um, the need for boundaries. And, And this is really important because boundaries keep things from invading a territory that was never meant for them. That's what boundaries are. The purpose of boundaries is to keep things from invading a territory that they were never intended to occupy. You have a limited amount of time, and when you start spending your time somewhere, you're taking it from something. And the more time that you give that item, the higher up on your priority list it's moving, whether you intend for it to or not. When you start taking time and investing it here, you took it from something and it drops, and you gave it to something and it raises. That's how this works. And there's boundaries that have to be established in your life to make sure that things don't move into an area where they don't belong. Let me give you an example. You need to work hard to keep your work at work. And if you can't get it done, most of the time it just needs to wait. Why? Because when you bring it home, it leaves its boundaries. And it starts to invade your family. And you take your time from your family and you give it to your work. And your work starts to move up the list and your family starts to move down the list. That's how it works. You've got to have boundaries in place. There was a father who came home from work every day with his briefcase. And he'd set his briefcase down on the dinner table while the family was eating and he'd get his work out. And he'd work on it while the family was eating. 
Finally, his young son asked him and said, "Um, Dad, why do you always bring your briefcase home? The man replied, Son, it's because I can't get all my work done at the office, so I have to bring it home with me. His son looked at him, and he said, Dad, can't you ask them to put you in a slower group? (laughs) I, I just want you to think about this. The cold, hard truth for some of us is that we may need to get put in a slower work group because if we can't get our work done at work, we can't bring it home or it starts to invade. It crosses over a boundary and it starts to move into a category where it didn't belong. We need to leave it there when at all possible. See, work and play tend to creep into higher priorities. They tend to dethrone the things that are actually most important in our life. If we're not intentional with them, if we don't establish boundaries, work and play have this tendency to work their way up the list. Establishing boundaries is just like uh, keeping focus. It helps you live out your priorities. You draw a line and you say no. It can wait. It'll have to wait. All right, lastly, this one may take us just a couple more minutes here, but this is the need to unplug. Um, I don't know about you, but I have a love-hate relationship with my um, smartphone. Anybody else with me on this? Okay. Um, Increasingly, people are reporting that their smartphones help them manage their day and at the same time consume their free time. And maybe that's you. It causes them to feel anxious and overwhelmed at the constant barrage of of information. Never have people been more connected, never have they been more informed, and never have they been more exhausted. A research done in 2016 by a number of social media sites said this, 65% of all Americans own a smartphone. How many of you guys own a smartphone? All right, 80% of smartphone owners have their phone with them for all but two hours a day. 80% 80% of smartphone users reach for their phones within five minutes or 15 minutes after waking up each morning. 62% of smartphone users check their email or social media before they even get out of bed. We're tethered to our technology. We're tethered to it. The very technology that's supposed to be saving us time becomes part of our burden. There was a spokesperson for Google, Google, that wrote this. Being connected all the time will only create exhausted and stressed people. And this is what he went on to say. Um, Although we are surrounded by photos, friends, and comments online, we're increasingly becoming less attached to the most important people in our life. He said, I enjoy the benefits of connectivity, but I'm aware of its ability to take me away from the moment, and I want to ensure that I'm present as a father and a husband. We've got to learn how to unplug, guys. We've got to learn how to unplug. Just a couple years ago, my family was sitting at my parents' table, their, their dining room table. Um, we were eating breakfast, and my three kids were there. And I saw them all staring at the wall. It's just kind of a weird thing. And so I asked Addison, our oldest, I said, what are you guys looking at? And she goes, what is that? And I said, that, my dear, is what's called a home phone. And my son Braden goes, how does it work with that cord on it? How do you take it in your car? How do you, what if you're not home to answer it? And here's what I realized. I realized that our phones are no longer plugged into the wall. They're plugged into us. That's just how it works now. We've got to learn how to unplug. I love technology, but we've got to learn how to unplug if we're going to steward our time well. 
because this time-saving device will consume our time if we're not careful with it. So I need to close quickly this morning. Um, But I'm certain that there's a lot of people in this room who know that their priorities are out of order. I'm certain that there's people who are having a hard time living it out. There are those who know that they're operating at an unsustainable pace of life. There's those who would admit that they've been putting things off. And I'm sure that all of us would say that we want to make the most out of our time. So that means that more than likely, there's people in here who are going to have to change things in their daily life to get their priorities in order. That means there's things that you're going to need to stop wasting time on and things that you're going to start intentionally investing in in order for your priorities to line up and for you to live out these priorities. Ordering your days and making the most of every opportunity. So Life Research did this survey. They asked 10,000 people what kept them from knowing and loving God better. The number one answer, I'm too busy. I can't fit God in my squares. He's not my number one priority with my time. I'm too busy. Guys, it starts with that top button. And if you can't get that lined up, nothing else will. It's got to be a priority in your life. And this morning, we're going to close and move into a time of communion. And I just want you to take the last couple moments here to just reflect on how you are making the most of the time that God has entrusted you with. Are you making the most of it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the gift of time. We ask that you'd help us steward it well, Lord, that you would empower us with your Holy Spirit to order our days, to make the most of every opportunity, to live out our days honoring you. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said.